And it's time for Pet Chat. Hello, welcome Cheryl Shaw, Dr Paul McCarthy. Lovely to have you both in. Thank you, Sarah. Oh, here. Sorry, guys. There we go. Oh, it's great to be here, Sarah. <laughs> Look, we're going to talk about the Million Paws Walk very soon. Yeah, it's on next weekend. Always a great weekend. It's at the foreshore now, isn't it? It is. Great location. We'll chat about that shortly. We'll catch up with uh, Dr Debbie Jaggers from the Hunter Regional Manager. She's the Hunter Regional Manager for the RSPCA. Big weekend happening. Not this weekend. But no, 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 this weekend on Sunday. Ah, the Million Paws Walk. Are Mm -hmm. you going to be there, Cheryl? Absolutely, wouldn't miss it. Been going for 18 years. Have you? Yeah, I love it. Great day out. Fantastic. Unreal. And Avalon, of course, will make an appearance. Yes, of course. Yeah. This is fantastic. And we are joined today by Dr. Debbie Jaggers, the Hunter Regional Manager for the RSPCA. Welcome to the show, Debbie. Well, thank you. Debbie, it's on again. I'm so excited about Sunday. Yes, absolutely, and um, what I was quite surprised about, I didn't know, it's actually the 25th anniversary of the biggest doggy day out, Million Paws Walk, for Australia. 25 years, and it's held right across Australia, which I find is just fantastic. I mean, a lot of events are only just, you know, in local areas, but this is Australia-wide. And, Debbie, it's actually the biggest fundraiser that the RSPCA do, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It is a major, major event and I can absolutely assure you there's lots and lots of busy work happening at the RSPCA Hunter and across the state to get ready for our walk. Um, and what many people don't realise is 98% of our funding comes from events like this and donations and wow. fundraising. So the community is so supportive. It's fantastic. And so, Debbie, the, do you have a target that you're looking for for the Hunter region? We've got something in mind, and I'm sure the community will go bigger and better this year. I, I do know we've already got over 500 people pre-registered to come, so that, that, that people and most of those will have dogs as well. So that's really, really exciting to know people who are already registered to come. That people can turn up on the day as well, no problem. So if somebody wants to register prior to the day, how do they go about that? Yeah, probably the simplest thing is, is do the old Google and um, search engine for Million Paws Walk or you can access through the RSPCA New South Wales website as well and you can pre-register there. But uh, again, absolutely no problem if people just want to turn up on Sunday. Yes. Now, how far is the walk? There's a couple of options and, and there's no requirements so people can, can pull out along the way if it's just a bit too much for them or their pets. So there's a 2K and a 4K walk. A uh, lovely walk up towards Nobby's Head because we're at the Foreshore Park. So, um, and the weather's looking pretty promising. So, yeah, a beautiful venue. It was lovely last year, so I'm just hoping that the weather is as nice this year because it is a, such a beautiful place to go to. Now, with with the walk, um, what time does it start? Yes, yes. So the walk itself is at eleven o'clock this year, and um, we open our doors, if you like, from nine thirty. So. Everyone can rock up from 9.30 onwards and the walk will... Uh, we have the Deputy Lord Mayor coming um, to open the walk, which will be great, and that will kick off at 11 o'clock. And it's a lovely sight seeing everybody going along out to the... Uh, to Nobby's head within the walk. Yeah, I actually think that those bandanas at the RSPCA sell for William Paws Walk Day just look fabulous as everybody's walking their dogs and their dogs are showing those colours for the the um, bandanas. It's a great thing. Now, apart from the walk, what um, what other activities do you have planned for the day? Oh, well, absolutely. It's a day out with lots of different things happening. We've got some some things focused on smaller children as well, bouncy castle and face painting and things like that. 
Um, we're hoping the police dogs will be able to come if they're not called away for duty and give us a bit of a talk, which will be great. Um, we have lots of competitions um, so that people can enter with themselves and their dogs, competitions, and also raffles and other competitions as well. Yeah, because um, people... There is life. Sorry, Debbie, people love to partake with their dogs dressing up and things like that. I know that's always really popular. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And isn't it great to see people do, doing that? Yeah, so there's a number of competitions and we've also got our Destiny Show, um, which is RSPCA adoption dog specific, just to give a little, little bit more recognition of to different types of dogs that do come through the RSPCA. So will there be dog, dogs available for adoption on the day? Yes, yes, we're planning to bring uh, at least two dogs. So, yeah, they will be available and we'll also have some information about the other dogs that sort of back at Hunter Shelter that are available as well. Um, so, yes, um, it'd be nice to give the dogs a day out to the million courts. Yeah, and it, when people are registering, do you want them to get sort of people to back them and, and help raise money? Is that how it works for the sponsorship or what's the story there? Yeah, absolutely. People can do that. So there is that option where you can... So there's a bit of a competition running about who, which group or individual can generate the most um, fundraising. Um, so, again, that's on the website or people can... There's, there's sort of an, an entry fee to allow us to have that fundraising opportunity for people if they just want to come and join in on the day or pre-register. Oh, that's great. Well, I really hope it's well patronised and that people put their hands in their pocket and, and donate really well because... Does most of the money that's um, raised in Newcastle stay in Newcastle in the Hunter area or is it sort of all pooled together? Yeah, no, absolutely. We certainly get a recognition of what we've generated locally and that, that remains local. Um, and as I say, like, you know, we, can't, we can't exist without all that wonderful community fundraising. So community are so supportive and we really appreciate it and we, we're really um, expecting a really great day on Sunday. Oh, well, good luck with it all, Debbie, and thank you so much for joining us to um, talk about it today. Thank you. Pleasure. Debbie, before you go, will Big Dog be there this year? <laughs> Not this year, oh. um, but um, yeah, it'd be great to get some feedback if people are missing big dogs, then maybe we need to look at that, but we do have the deputy mayor who's going to cut the ribbon this year. Well, that's okay then, you know, that's just me living my childhood dream there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Debbie. Yeah, a great day, and of course, Cheryl, you'll be there with your beautiful Avalon. I will. Made it in the paper last year, you'll have to do that again. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then coming up later today, what are we chatting about, Paul? So I thought we might talk about joints and um, particularly um, sore joints and more importantly when sore joints are not just sore joints. We, we have often diagnosed bone cancers that people have often not realised could have mm. been so severe. So it's always good to just make sure that you are getting those joints checked and what to look for for okay. joint disease. All right, we will be doing that in Pet Chat. First caller, Roger in Lake Memora. Hello, you've got an issue with your dog. Yes, I got him from the pound, little uh, uh, Tibetan terrier or spaniel. Mm-hmm. Now, every morning, if I go to pack him, he'll turn over and he'll pee. So, but in an afternoon, it's a totally different dog. He comes to me about oh, 10, 12 times a day once, once a pack. So maybe somebody's been cruel to him before I got him. 
Uh, it, it could be that, Roger. Certainly the, the urination you're seeing, that the instant submission, so the rolling onto my back and showing my tummy, is, is a way of saying, please don't hurt me. So it, it is a way of saying, I'm safe. Let's be friends. Um, I, I don't want to get hurt by that submissive behaviour. So I, I do believe it probably is some anxiety with that. The urination can be a combination of that anxiety, but also of the fact that we um, we get some dogs will get excitement urination, where if they're really excited to see somebody they know, then then they'll get a urination response to that as well. So it it could in this circumstance be be both of those combined. It can be a, a conflicted behaviour where he is really happy to see you, um, but because he hasn't seen you for a time period while everyone's been asleep, um, it could be that that's that response. What might be a good suggestion to you is when you first get up, is take him out for a wee first so that we've actually emptied the bladder before you try to, to touch him or show him any real attention because that just might mean you'll prevent that from happening. Yes, because, uh, you know, he's, he's totally in love with me. Like, he sleeps beside my bed. He won't leave me alone. So, you know, in that way, uh, and in the, in the night time, he keeps coming to me wanting a pat all the time. And that's, that's reassurance. So what he's actually looking for you is... Um, I'm, I'm just not sure that I'm still safe. Um, I'm just checking base with you that we're all good, I'm safe, you're still my friend, we're all okay. So what I would get you to do for me is not always reward that behaviour with attention in that if he is safe, there's no reason for him to continually need that reassurance. And sometimes what happens is we, we can um, encourage that behaviour by positively reinforcing a dog who's overly showing need for attention, a bit like um, responding to a child who cries every time, in that the dog isn't always feeling that unsafe, but if they get used to the fact that whenever they come approaching you, they get attention, that will keep happening. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's some really interesting advice there. It's hard not to, though, because your reaction is, oh, you feel unsafe, let them. me yeah, cuddle you and exactly, reassure Sarah. you. But, um, yeah, I guess when it starts becoming problematic, you need to take a step back and go, how can I fix this long term? That's right. And, and the flip side of that is, is that um, what happens when you're not there? So if you're there to mm, give that reassurance true. over time, dog feels safe, but it makes the risk of separation anxiety much greater in that if someone's suddenly not there and they're not getting that reassurance that the world is safe and no one's going to hurt them, that's when panic kicks in. So it's kind of like tough love. You're doing it so in the long run they're actually better off and the anxiety isn't as high. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's I guess, what controlled crying is I suppose for mm, children I was never it? good at that no, <laughs> not, that's not my and, bag and, and, and for parents of, children, of dogs it's exactly the same as well it, yeah. is, it is difficult to not yes. want to do that reassurance but it is a matter of, of also re-recognising when the dog is doing it to get attention versus when the dog actually is panicky and yeah. I'm certainly not suggesting that we don't reassure a panicked dog that's yes. important to recognise okay, that okay that is a good point but, but if this dog is doing this you know as the gentleman said 12 times a day I don't think that's panic 12 times a day. I think that's just, I've got used to receiving that attention, I enjoy that attention, so I'm going to keep asking for it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. 49216216, look, see, we can fix lots of issues here. When I say we, I mean Dr. Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> and Cheryl, you come up with some really good advice as well. I just like to tag along. But look, we are here. If you do have any questions, we have a free line available right now. Paul, you wanted to talk about joint pain. I guess mm. it gets worse this time of year. Yeah. 
That's get right. Colder. Cold weather coming. So um, lots of older dogs, as older people, will have degenerative joint disease. So um, and that can be breed associated. So large breed dogs are much more associated with with joint disease and small breeds of dogs, but also dogs who have had periods of time where they've been overweight um, or are still overweight. Now there is joint pain that is expected. So a degree of arthritis in an older dog is an expected thing. There are medications that can certainly help that and talking to your local vet about that is a really good first start. Mm -hmm. Now the other thing to also be very conscious of particularly in an older dog and particularly an older large breed dog is that not all that joint pain is just due to arthritis. Um, and lots of conditions can go untreated if we don't sort of recognise those signs. So okay. a joint pain that is started on just waking up. So they get up, those first few steps are quite stiff and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and um, you can obviously see that the dog warms out of those. That generally is a joint disease. Okay. So diseases that are a warm joints are happy joint. And so when you get some joints movement and the, and the joints warming up, they move more freely and often that lameness will resolve. If you're not seeing that lameness resolve in a very short time post-rising, it may not just be degenerative joint disease. Um, also, if you get exercise-induced lameness, so if a dog is sore post-exercise, that's not always just related to joint disease as well. That could be an issue. That could be an issue. So it's about recognising the signs, and sometimes the signs of joint disease needn't always be a lameness. So dogs who have been waking up in the morning or uh, overnight and in those colder mornings are licking a joint, so they're licking their stifle joints or they're licking their carpal joints, um, that can be an indicator that joint is sore. Um, and even if you don't necessarily see your dog licking, if you actually can see that patches of the, uh, the hair is missing over joints, it can mean that when you're not there, um, and the dog's sort of got something else to think about, that they are licking their leg when you're not there. So looking for, jo for joint licking, looking for areas where, where evidence of hair loss has been on joints, they can be an indicator of joint disease. Um, the other thing to do is that um, stairs are very challenging for all dogs, mm. particularly dogs who have sore joints. Um, and it's always a very important thing to be thinking as you move into the colder weather, that if your dog sleeps downstairs and requires you to be having attention upstairs, often winter is a time to sort of think about maybe seeing how they're handling those stairs. Yeah. And that often it can be a very big challenge. And we sometimes see behavioural disorders associated with dogs who want to with their family but just can't get there because they're too, too sore to move. So. Oh, it's awful. We've got the stairs and um, we now ha carry Gizzy up terrific. when it's bedtime and yeah, Sean gets terrific. in a lot of trouble if I hear Gizzy's footsteps and he hasn't carried him. <laughs> but what we have to do now, thank goodness we've got a baby gate downstairs, I have to close it because if I'm just ducking upstairs to grab a jumper or, or something for the kids, Gizzy will want to follow yeah, me yeah. and I just feel so bad because I know it's a challenge for him so yeah. I have to lock him out sometimes. <laughs> and and the, and baby gates are terrific things to yeah. have for homes in that particular circumstance for lots of reasons. So um, there, are, there are dogs who, um, for people who work at home, there's often times where dogs need to learn independence. And so if you're a work-at-home um, uh, worker and your dog lives with you all the time, if you've not got the dog in a separate space from you sometimes during the day, 
um, again, they get so used to you being there that when you do have to leave the house, the risk of separation anxiety is high. So having spaces where dogs can be separate from you um, at all times. Mothers with children, for example, it's often handy to have those baby gates, not just for babies, but yeah. to have dog on the other to side of those. separate the babies and the dogs. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So, Paul, back to, to talking about joints. If it is something more than arthritis that's causing these issues, are they mostly treatable? To You know, yes, early diagnosis are, are really good thing. Yeah, good point, Sarah. That the earlier you can intervene in a lot of diseases of the musculoskeletal system, the better the recovery will be and the less likely long-term side effects of damage will be present. Okay. So soft tissue injuries like ligaments and tendon strains, often if an animal is rested correctly and, and non-steroidals are used at an early time in the disease, you can stop the scarring that will occur to those ligaments that will mean that they're weaker and more likely to have recurrent issues over time. The same with bone. Um, uh, if bones are, if for example there are joint abnormalities where the bone has formed in an incorrect way, um, some breeds are more prone to genetic disorders, disorders to their joints. If you catch those early and have those x-rayed and treated early, you can minimise the risk of long-term arthritis and joint pain in those dogs as well. So it is really important to observe, and if you do think it's more than just a little bit of stiffness in the morning and have you sort of warm up... Have your local veterinarian check that yeah. for you for sure. Okay, look, we had Jan actually send us an email. Jan's from Merriweather, and she wants to know if there's a period of time you recommend after losing a pet before you get another. So she's struggling ah, okay. with the grieving process and she's looking for some... some um, possible suggestions on yeah. how to best tackle that? Look, um, this is a, a thing we deal with on a daily basis. Mm. So sadly, the loss of a pet is a part of most pet owners' lives at some time. Why don't they live longer? Oh, I know, I say that every time. Why but don't they? It's, um, it's a really important question and it's one that I think takes a lot of thought. There are, there are things I tell owners all the time. The first is, get a dog when you're ready. Now, that sounds like a very sort of simple off-the-hand um, answer, but there are people who often get a dog too soon because they're looking to replace the dog they've lost. Right. And the issue that suddenly is that this dog can't be that last dog. They don't have the same personality. They don't have the same traits, even if they're the same breed. And often that second dog, if, if purchased too soon, doesn't fit the mould. They don't get quite the same love that they... There, yeah, that's two, not going to be good There's two disappointed people in the party. Yeah. There's the dog who can't meet the goals achieved by the previous dog because they're a different personality. Yes. And there's the owner who's thinking that, uh, look, it's the same breed, it should be the same personality, I should be getting a carbon copy of my last dog, and they get disappointed that it's not the case. The second thing, too, is that remembering that dogs are also grieving as well. And so different families form different bonds. Um, I, I know from my own experience, I had a dog um, that had lived with another dog for 12 of its, year, 12 of its years. Yeah. Um, and when she passed away, even though there was a second dog there, there we, we've always had sort of three at a time, um, my other dog was always looking for Tara for probably six to seven months after she oh, had gone. Oh, that's... Oh, it was that heart, makes heartbreaking. Me want to cry. Heartbreaking. So it's oh. about also judging how your pack's responding. How, how are the social yeah. group doing? Okay. In that not always can the introduction of a new pet 
take away the anxiety that another dog has got from the loss of a pet. So it's a big decision. It is. I've always thought it's it's exceptionally hard when you lose a pet because they're, um, they're part of your day-to-day routine. And I know if Gizzy's away for a night or whatever and I'm at home, there would be at least, you know, every few hours I think, oh, I must do this for Giz. And then I'm like, oh, he's not here. So I can't even imagine, you know, dealing with that once once you lose them, whether mm. it be, you know, feeding them or, ta- you know, taking them out for to go to the toilet or whatever it might be. They're just such a part of our day-to-day, yeah. you know. So. My best advice for people, Sarah, is to not rush it. Okay, I, I that's think, good advice. I think it's really important to take time, think about your next choice and also how much time you've got to devote to another dog. Okay, really good advice. So let's go back to the phones now. Uh, we've got Leonie from Head and Greeter. Now, Leonie, you're caring for an older dog, which which is suffering from some stiffness of the limbs. Yeah, yeah. She's a Siberian Husky cross Labrador, and she's not showing great signs of this. You know, like she's not showing any distress or anything like that, but she's just slowing up, um, which is understandable at thirteen. Mm. But I'm just wondering whether there's anything that you could recommend that that we could give to help her joints. Like, I mean, yeah, sure. my husband, my husband and I, we we take omega three and glucosamine and all that sort of stuff because we're getting older as well. Yes, and and both and those products are used in canine medicine as well. So so there are um, versions of that for, for specifically formulated for dogs. Um, there, there's lots of what we call nutraceuticals. So these are natural products that are used to help both the joint fluid and the cartilage of the joint. So things, as you've already mentioned, chondroitin and glucosamine are very good for those. There are some very good diets on the market now that actually even combine those in them. Um, so, so I know Hills, Raw Cannon um, and... Um, the, the bigger brands all have different versions of those and often they're a really nice, easy first start and you can get very good improvement in dogs just by using things like the, the chondroitin and the glucosamine. The next step beyond that is that there are injections you can give to stimulate new cartilage growth. There's a, a product called Cartrophin um, and it does a very good job in just getting those um, cells to regenerate, create some more new cells to make the joints move more smoothly. There's even very simple things, um, jackets. So warm dogs overnight, um, dogs sleeping off the ground, so rather than sleeping on the ground but off the ground, that can make joints not feel so cold overnight and that can make yeah, a joint move really smoothly as well. She's sleeping inside now that it's it's winter time. Yeah, terrific. And in- interestingly, physiotherapy is fantastic for dogs. So um, having a chat to your local veterinarian about seeing a physiotherapist can do that for you. Very simple things you can do at home is rubbing your hands over the joints, so particularly with what we call the stifle joint or our knees, um, the elbows. So warmth into a joint makes a big difference as well. And often just using some physiotherapy, some exercises that can help keep the muscle tone in those older legs can really help with joint disease and pain. Really good advice. So do you need um, something specific from the vet or can you use ordinary human type glucosamine and chondroitin? I always suggest just to check with your vet the doses that you've got that are human-based and just ensure that you're giving an appropriate dose. So if you if you can check your packs, give your local vet a call, they can often tell you whether that's going to be a therapeutic dose or not um, in that lots of these products, as you know, designed for humans, some will have different um, variabilities in how they're absorbed and it's just always best to just clarify if you are going to use, and this goes for, for any human product, if you are intending to use a non-registered product, just ensure 
ensure that you've had that check with the veterinarian to make sure that that product is safe for use. Thanks, Leonie. Now, we've had another email sent in, Paul, and this one's from Suzanne from Morpeth. Mm-hmm. Apparently, her pooch is a bit in love with her beef stroganoff, but it has a lot of garlic in it. Uh, sorry, onion in it. So her ah, question's about onion. Yeah. Are, are dogs allowed to eat onion, and does it matter if it's raw versus cooked? Yeah, so onions are never a go for dogs. Oh. So disappointingly, the ingestion of onions by dogs causes a metabolite in the onion to break down red cells. And so broken red cells cause anemia. And so sadly, onions can cause anemia. Right. Um, and so signs to watch for, and we should probably let her get, have a check for these. So anemias with a loss of red cells cause gums to go from pink to pale. Uh, so you do the whole gum so test. So lift your lip yes. up. Yep, yep, that's it. Lift the lip up and just make sure that you can get... And also, when you push on the gum, that the blanching is very quickly recovered. So ideally what should happen is that the gum you push on goes white and then in a couple of seconds goes back to pink. Yeah. Can you look for the eyeballs? <laughs> yeah, look. The, the blood vessels yeah, in the eyeballs yes. can be another indicator for you. Anywhere where you can see blood vessels easily, so any mucous membrane, is a good spot to look for that. Um, Fortunately, the ingestion isn't permanent. So if you do stop feeding onions, um, then the, the, the changes are, are gone. The body will make new cells oh, and that'll, that'll re, you'll regrow your, your red cells. But it can reach toxic levels, so just be very careful. We, we sadly see onion intoxication on a fairly common basis. Oh, do you really? Yeah, because there's, there's a belief that onions help with fleas. Um, and that's not a good reason. I guess they could help with fleas because you've got no red cells. There's nothing that the fleas are feed on. But probably better <laughs> products out there. Than <laughs> More specific products that will do <laughs> yeah, the work. Your right. fleas, your ticks, your mites, that's it, worms. That's it. And having said that, always be aware that flea cycles do continue through the winter. So people often think I can stop my products now because the weather's got colder. But actually, our homes are often warmer in the winter than they are during the summer. And particularly if you've had floorboards, the eggs have actually passed through those floorboards and they're under your house ready to hatch. So keep them up over the winter. Okay, we'll go back to the phones now. Hello, Lisa in Gateshead. You have a 13-year-old dog and his skin is quite itchy. Yes, it is. He's um, on steroids at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's been on steroids for a week with another two weeks to go. Sure. Um, and his itchy skin's much better, but as soon as he's off the steroids, it goes back to him having lumps on his uh, tummy and constantly itching. Sure. So certainly at 13, it is likely that he's had an allergy for a long time. Yep. Yeah. So there, there are so corticosteroids are a way of suppressing the immune system so that you don't get that release of histamine to 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 allow the skin to itch. Now there are ways. There are other products you can use instead of the corticosteroids in that they have their own side effects. As I'm sure you're already aware, um, your dog will be thirstier than normal, hungrier than normal. Often they pant more than normal. So it, it's it's a good product for what it does, but it does have the uh, side effects that need to be conscious of, and a, a product to be conscious of the fact that long-term use will have other side effects on other organs. So corticosteroids are a bit of a double-edged sword. There are other alternatives that don't have those same side effects. There's a, a new injection called Cytopoint that you give once a month. There is also a product called Apoquil and Cyclosporin products um, out there as well. So there are alternatives to using cortisone. Have you done a food trial at all with this dog? I have. I've actually got him 
on all grain-free now. It's often um, it's often more the protein than the grains. So often proteins are more allergic in dog food than the grains are. So it's often looking at feeding things that say that are fish-based, um, venison-based. There are a lot of good sort of new foods out there that will be designed for allergic dogs. And they'll often contain things like omega-3, omega-6 fatty acids that can make the skin less responsive to an allergy as well. So... Um, so grain-free seems to be a new go-to for, for dog foods, but um, not always will they be what you're needing for for an allergy-based diet. They're often grain-free grain for, for gastrointestinal signs. Yeah, I've been giving him, um, in, his, in his dry food is, is uh, fish oil. It's a salmon-based mm-hmm. um, dry food. And I've also been giving him fish oil, but it, with no effect really, no, no help. Yeah, so, so what shampoo are you using? And have you controlled the secondary bacteria that are, are there as well? Uh, is it, I think it's Malasab. Yep, so use it at least uh, twice yeah. a week. I think I, I would certainly have to talk to your, to your vet about the things you can use because there are some alternatives to prednisolone that you might use longer term. Okay, look, hopefully that helps out, Lisa. And that's just about it for us today. Cheryl Shaw, thank you for coming in and uh, pleasure, doing Cheryl. that great interview about the Million Paws Walk. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, don't forget it is happening this Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a good one. And Dr Paul McCarthy, thank you as that's always right. for answering I, some if, great if questions. If I can just borrow one... My, my, my nephew is turning five today, so happy birthday, oh. Jesse. Oh, happy birthday, Jesse, five. Wow, so off to school next year? That's it. He's very excited. Had his interview with the principal last week, Woo-hoo. so he's very excited. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.